everyone. Welcome back to the Create Initiative Podcast, the show that brings you insights and techniques from people in the creative world. We serve to help fellow creatives connect, learn, and grow. Well, I'm Jason Evans, and with me is Kyler Clapp, and via long distance in the self-quarantine world, Kyle Lee. Kyle, how are you and that bird doing? We're great. There's several birds, several dozen birds. <laughs> several <laughs> dozen. Just swarming around me right now. Well, it sounds like it. I hope that's not another uh, sign of the the outbreak. <laughs> I bet it's fine. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Kyler, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing all right. We are in the same room, but we're keeping our distance. Yeah, at least three feet. At three? I thought it was six. Oh, six. Oops. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, Kyler's definitely infected. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, she probably. Was, she's going out in the wild all weekend. No one is out there. Well... Well, I, w- I would like to talk about it at the top of the show. We'll start with you, Kyler. Okay. How did you spend your, your first few days in self-quarantine? Um, so I worked from home to the best of my ability because at the moment we don't have Wi-Fi. And then we got Wi-Fi and then the Wi-Fi wouldn't work. So that was frustrating. And then me and my roommate decided to do a little worship at noon thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how awkward live streaming is. Um, I, how, how so? Like you just have to like, I don't know. It's just awkward. Cause we're just sitting there singing and like, we can't, our phones are like halfway across the room. So we can't see who's commenting. Yeah. But if you're worshiping, you don't need Ooh, to see who's well, commenting. Well, yeah, but like, yeah. Well, I felt, I felt bad cause me and my wife had, had joined to watch and y'all didn't give us a shout out, but it's okay. We didn't see you. Well, I'll shout you out now. Hey, Kyle and Libby, thanks for joining oh, it's, in. It, it's, it's too late for sure. Yeah, um, I think he's gone. So, we, you know, we had just been stuck inside and we were really needing that shout out to just kind of boost our morale and <laughs> we knew we could count on y'all and then you let us down. And then I'm that sorry was it. we failed you. <laughs> yeah, I joined for about uh, 12 seconds. Yep. So that's that's about all I can handle on Instagram, though. So nothing with you. Had nothing no, to do we with you guys. Bethel, probably. Probably that probably is what what it was. So well, Kyle, what about you guys? Your your family of uh, of well, small army. Um, you guys had spring break this week, and you said you were incredibly busy every day. So what were you doing every day? Well, I started off being busy, and then everything ended up getting canceled. So <laughs> yeah, I feel that. <laughs> And so I was supposed to be a groomsman in a wedding, so that was two days of the break that I was supposed to take up, and um, it got canceled. Whose wedding? There's no one you know. Oh, okay. Ooh. Well, and then I was supposed to go to a, a mutual friend of ours' wedding, Kyler, and yeah, that's who I was thinking it, it was. Yeah, yeah, I did. So three days of wedding stuff, but um, yeah, so we've just been at home. Our kids got to go see our grandparents, or their grandparents, yeah. a couple of different days. But then we found out <laughs> that a student at Jasper's school actually tested positive oh. for the virus. Um, and so we are we have to stay home now until at least Friday. Oh, nice. At least Friday. Um, so when was well because that, that that would have been 14 okay. days since okay. he was at last at school and so far and so, jasper's not showing any symptoms or anything like that no um just being the same funny little five-year-old that oh that's good he always is that's good they're kind of going they're kind of going crazy having to stay yeah. home and not getting to go to we were going to go to the zoo and the science museum the movies all the fun stuff we would do we can't take him to the mountains no one's there well, he is five, but doesn't really climb mountains. No, but like um, you can climb this mountain. <laughs> down in Lawton. And Mount Scott. Yeah. Mount Scott's closed. No, it's open. How do you know that? Because I was on Mount Scott yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Should be closed. Probably. Well, I know the national parks are closed. Yeah, and the the other thing in Oklahoma, at least, is the weather has not been great for getting out of the house. No, yeah. um, especially if you have small no. children. Yeah, I'm sitting in my driveway right now and I'm freezing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is you know the third day of spring, so 
you know, we got a lot to look forward to. Twenty twenty is just really nailing it. Yeah, you know? it's uh, it's rough. <laughs> well, Kyle, uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot because in our emergency podcast, Kyler mentioned her five tips for self quarantining, uh, how to survive it. Do you have any tips? Anything you've learned so far in these few days of how to survive this madness? What emer what emergency podcast? The one we tried to get you on that you said the you were too busy for. The one that you got kicked off of, huh? Well. I have nothing to say. <laughs> wow, for the first time ever. I hope y'all both come down with the virus. Wow. But that's that is terrible. the rudest thing you could ever say to me. That is absolutely terrible. We tried well, just to been... get you on the show and you said you had no time this week, but I'm free the next two weeks because I don't have school. <laughs> yes, that is accurate. Well, so don't be throwing it back on us. Kyle. Yeah, huh? So it's definitely y'all's fault. It is our fault. How how have you been doing this? Have you learned uh, any tricks in the uh, self quarantine world? Um, nope. Been watching a lot of TV, doing all the bad things that like you try not to do on a daily basis, such as just watch a billion episodes of The Office. Yeah. Uh. Uh, park parks and rec um stay up till 3 a.m yeah. because you're not tired because you haven't done anything yeah. all day <laughs> that's real um all the habits i've worked towards so far in 2020 to get rid of i've just jumped back into full force yeah you know read less um <laughs> eat worse all that kind eat of stuff worse um be on your phone more um did you this horrible stuff did like you that. uh did you and libby partake in the uh the uh, toilet paper hoarding no um we were direly close to being out of toilet paper until crest got their stuff together and uh they've got plenty now so. yeah yeah they, they've worked it out my wife and i went at six in the morning on friday thinking we were going to be the smart ones we still waited in line for 35 minutes just to check out mm-hmm. um and we're not even yeah. we're not hoarding we're just you know we generally shop on a week-to-week basis and so we just kind of went and did our normal normal shopping but we were uh we felt felt the uh, pain of people just freaking out yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah, it it really. I don't want to blame. I don't want to blame a certain demographic, but it's definitely old people. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> you think so? You think they're the ones? Yes. I don't. Yes. I think it's all these soccer moms and myself. Oh, for sure, the Karens. Yeah, the Karens of the world. I, I think old people are the issue <laughs> with this whole operation. <laughs> Man, tell us how you really feel. I think I pooped on by a bird. They're just kind of <laughs> hovering. <laughs> oh, man. Well, on that note, we should probably go ahead and introduce our guest because I feel like things are spiraling uh, quickly. I got tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, our guest today is uh, Chrissy Nordhoff, who is a professional songwriter and the co-founder of the Brave Songwriting Community. Uh, she is also an author and the creator of the Writing Worship Course. Uh, Chrissy, we, we talk about in the interview, she grew up in a Christian home and she actually had the opportunity to learn under Gloria Gaither, which is a pretty cool story. And, and we'll talk about that. Well, Chrissy uh, has had several songs recorded that we're all familiar with, including Your Great Name, uh, which was performed by Natalie Grant. And then other artists like Jen Johnson, Torn Wells, Mandisa, Darling Check, David and Nicole Binion, Travis Cottrell, Prestonwood Worship, Corey Voss, Dustin Smith, Phillips, Craig, and Dean, and many others. Whoop, whoop. That's a stack, man. That is. Uh, Christy has recently released her first uh, book called Writing Worship, How to Craft Heartfelt Songs for the Church. And uh, we talk about that in the interview because I thumbed through uh, an advanced copy and uh, it, it's really so practical. And if you have any interest in learning how to write worship songs, this book is for you. So uh, let's just get right to it. Here is our interview with Chrissy Nordhoff. Chrissy, thank you so much for taking time to be on the Create Initiative podcast. As, as we get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, where you're at? Yeah, thank you so much, Jason, for having me on. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Michigan um, on a farm, really in the middle of nowhere, which actually gave me a lot of creative space 
And um, a lot of the time we didn't even have TV when I was a kid. So we had to make our own fun. And a lot of that for me was exploring with music. Um, And so one of my grandmothers taught me my very first few things on the piano. And unfortunately, she passed away when I was five years old. But I realized much later that was actually the year I started writing songs. And so it felt like there was some sort of musical torch passed um, from her looking back. But um, but yeah, grew up and continued that journey of um, family and church. I loved the church. I did a lot of singing in the church with my accompaniment tracks and um, eventually went to Anderson University and studied music business major and vocal performance minor. And during the course of my time there, um, I had one class that really changed the trajectory of my life, but I didn't know it at the time. It was Songwriting 101 with Gloria Gaither. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I just remember being so moved um, by the heart of God through those classes that I would leave in tears pretty much every class. (laughs) And... um, I knew like it, something shifted in me. I had been writing songs before that. Um, obviously I mentioned my first one was five, but, but something shifted and really deepened in me. And so, you know, that journey eventually led me to Nashville and I've been here now for 23 years, um, and did the whole independent artist songwriter thing for a while. And eventually Um, really felt like I landed in my lane in the songwriting world. It took me a while to figure that out, Um, but landed there and I've been writing professionally for the last um, five or six years. Yeah. You said that class changed your trajectory. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, what was it like just being in the same room as Gloria Gaither? I mean, it was very holy, honestly. Yeah. Um, the things that she would say, the way that she would describe things, um, it always got to a heart level. And of course she is more lyrically driven and I am too. In fact, she had a, she has the history of being an English teacher. Hmm. And so I learned so much from her, um, just from a lyrical standpoint, but really just more so about the heart behind writing music for the church. Now at that time there wasn't such thing really as worship. Although I would say they were the mother and father of a lot of the startings of worship itself. Yeah. Um, so really it was mostly about revealing God's heart and expressing that through lyric. That was a lot of the conversation. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, in your new book, writing worship, how to craft heartfelt songs for the church, you, you, you really lay out kind of your journey. Um, in, at the very beginning, you kind of tell your story and, and in that process, you talk about you, how you shifted from being performer focused to just focusing on songwriting. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what led you to that shift? Um, I think the first part of that, well, let me start by saying I felt a real high expectation, um, to be a performer. And that was just, I don't know. It was just a lot of things that people had spoken over me. Um, and I did enjoy the whole artist thing while it lasted, but I will say like, it was a lot for me to get up and continue to perform just from like, a, I, I, I'm not always hundred percent comfortable on the stage, Um, so it's a lot of work for me, like just working through a lot of emotions every time to get up. So I think, um, and I tried to do that and I tried to make that work. And I almost signed a record deal when I moved to Nashville immediately within the first few months. And, um, we were in negotiations for about six months. We were going back and forth and I was able to see what it would look like. I was able to see, I'd be on a tour bus for two to three months at a time. And I was, I was just about engaged at that point. And, um, family was such a big part of my life growing up. Um, I have a huge family. So my parents each had six siblings and I have 40 first cousins and I saw them all the time, all of them. Um, and so that was so ingrained in me that I had to ask myself, um, can I do this well and still have a family, which I felt called to do too. And, um, And honestly, I, I, as far as the traveling piece, I just didn't know that I could do it all well. 
Um, and I wanted my kids to play soccer and you know what, guess what they do. Um, so I think it's just partly the way God wired me and I had to come to grips with that. Um, so we did the whole independent artist thing for a long time and we just traveled and brought the kids with us. But we had one, one weekend in particular, I'll never forget. We were in Michigan. We did two morning services, drove four hours, did a festival, the cherry festival in Traverse city that night. And after that night, I looked at my husband and I said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Um, the next week I found out I was pregnant, expecting my third baby. And, um, and then for the first time during that pregnancy, I wrote a song, which was your great name. And, um, for the first time I didn't sing it. It was at our local church. It was being recorded for our church project. And, um, and it was a little painful, but I felt like the Lord said, just sit in the choir, or stand in the choir this time, sing in the choir this time and watch what I can do. If you let go of it and you don't sing it yourself, let it go. Part of it was me learning to let go. And, um, and that song taught me how to do that. And when I did let go, um, the Lord showed me he could, he could do something with my heart. He could use my heart to travel while I stayed home and raised my babies. And, um, it made so much sense. And, you know, I'll say for years, I've, I did feel a little bit of a fear that I missed something or that I missed out on something. And then last year I was driving to Nashville, um, getting ready to do a song story. And I had to pull the song up because I couldn't remember it. And, um, and I was listening back to the song and I thought, Oh yeah, here, that sounds like my melody. That sounds like my inflections. Yeah. That's, that's got my fingerprints on it. And I heard the Lord say, do you know what I hear when I hear your songs? Um, and I said, no. And he said, I hear your voice. Hmm. I, I hear your voice. And I was weeping. And I knew at that moment I hadn't missed anything. I was on track for what he had called me to do. And it just looked a little different than what I expected in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, uh, it's such a good perspective. Cause like I, I'm sitting here and I, I told you off air, like, I mean, I don't, I don't write songs and, and it's not something that's like, you know, in my heart necessarily to do, but like reading your story and thinking about kind of that, maybe that human ego trip of like being the performer and being on stage and, and your name being known for the one who wrote, who performed these songs and then going to the shift of, well, well, somebody else is performing my song, you know, like to me, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, nobody knows. No one knows that it's, it is, you're right. It is a shift because, um, you know, they think it's Natalie Grant's song or yeah. it's Mandista's song or whoever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's sure. just, I mean, I think it's a fascinating perspective. Um, because I went to, I was in Nashville a couple of years ago and went to one of those like story, like where songwriters would tell the stories of their songs uh -huh. And, you know, it's just kind of amazes me. There's this whole, whole group of people who, who they do the work, you know, <laughs> and not to say, yeah. the, not to say the performers don't do the work, but you know, it's just so unique and, and fascinating to me. And so I, I love that story of you just felt, you felt called to, to be in this, in this role, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you, you talked about kind of being able to hear the voice of God through, through these moments. And, and in your book, you, you talk about listening and to trying to discover God's heart for, for us and, and for songs. Can you tell us what is the most important thing we can do to help, uh, to listen to what God wants us for ourselves and for new songs in his church? Yeah. Well, I think the most important thing, um, is just to make sure that your heart is right, just in general, and that, that you are in relationship with the Lord, communing with him on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, it took me a while to get to that place, honestly, because as a creative, I like to sleep in, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't like to get up early. Um, and I actually really, I feel like in my flesh, I fight against that whole discipline thing. And I think that partly is creative, too. I think it's kind of that free spirit that comes along with being a creative. But I've learned over time, um, and it really took me walking through some desperate times and really pressing into the Lord to realize, wow, I need him every day. Like, that's why he's called, um, you know, our daily bread. And that's why... 
that's why, you know, he gave manna to the Israelites fresh every morning. Um, it's, it's a picture to us of we need him every day. We need to be communing with him. And if, if we're doing that in the mornings, then when we walk into any creative space, I believe that it, it could transfer to anything. When we walk into any creative space, then um, we've already connected with the creator and all we're doing is opening up and letting him to continue to flow through us. And in that way, we are working from um, the overflow and not from a dry well. Hmm. Oh, that's 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 good. Um, so again, in your book, one thing I loved about it is, uh, you, you took very practical steps towards, uh, trying to help people with their songwriting. And, um, you, you have a chapter where you talk about the 10 characteristics for worship songs. Mm-hmm. Um, could you kind of just highlight what, what you've seen over the years in, in the worship song genre? Yeah. Well, it's really ironic because it changes over time, but, um, but I'll, I'll talk about maybe what's what I see right now. Um, the, the one thing that never changes, though, is that worship songs should be true and biblically accurate. Um, because a lot of times our songs are teaching theology these days, mm-hmm. um, which can be a great responsibility as a songwriter, knowing the Word of God. And that's another reason why we need to be communing with Him on a daily basis, knowing His Word and knowing His voice, those two things. Um, but also here's a few things I'll throw these out. A lot of times they have a community voice as in we, or, or you, like we're talking to, um, God. Um, now things have changed a little bit with Bethel and, um, some of the stuff they put out in other churches like them, where, um, there are some more worship songs that are including that I pronoun. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's shifting just a little bit, but a lot of times they're simple, memorable, um, so in a smaller range where they're not a huge, you know, octave and a half range where the average person can't sing them. Um, and I think, I think we always have to have hope in our songs, um, remembering what's coming and, um, they really show us a greater picture. They take us out of our little tiny world and show us the world at large in Jesus and remind us of the greater things. That's good. Those are a few things. Yeah. And, and, and as mentioned that you, you mentioned 10 characteristics and so everyone needs to go get the book and <laughs> get the rest of them. Um, but you know, also in your book, you, you, you start talking about sacrifice, um, and, and what it takes to, um, to get into an attitude of worship and, and into songwriting. And so you mentioned one thing I loved, you said, we expect to get something, we've got it wrong. And then mm-hmm. a little bit later in that paragraph, you say, we should be worshiping only for the sake of giving. Uh, can, yeah. can you uh, unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So it really stems from that. Um, I can't remember the verse right now, but there's a verse where David says, I will not offer um, something to the Lord that costs me nothing. Um, and that verse really hit me in a deep way. And I began to think about that in context of worship. And I think some of what's happened with worship in our culture um, that makes me sad is worship becomes a means for someone to um, better themselves or give themselves visibility or give themselves platform um, or give themselves, you know, spotlight in some ways. And, and so in that way, they're using the, what is called worship. They're using that in order to gain for themselves um, in order, and, and that could be like leading that could even be writing too. It could be all of it. But, um, but really when we look at that verse and what David said, he wasn't worship to him, wasn't about gaining anything for himself. It was all about the giving. Um, it was all about what he was bringing and not, he didn't expect to get anything back. And that's what made it worship. That's exactly what made it worship was because, um, you know, it was, he was bubbling up out of thanks and, um, and love really for the Lord and wanted to do something special just for him. He wanted to do something for the Lord. And, and that's not to say the Lord didn't bless him for doing those things at all because the Lord did bless him in many ways. But I think it all comes back to the motivation behind why we're doing 
these things, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that's... what's the, what's the motive that's driving you? Are you wanting to get up and lead worship because you want to be known and seen? And if you are, that's actually not worship. Wow. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, there's so many comments in my brain that we, you know, you don't want to approach that. <laughs> um, but no, I, yeah. I, I think that's so, so accurate. And I think it, it translates beyond, you know, just worship or, or being on stage and worship. It's, it's how we live, yeah. how we live our life, you know? Yes. Um, so, so it's so good. 100%. And, and it totally, like I said, it just struck me when I read it. And, uh, so I, I just loved it. Let me ask you this. Why is finding our identity important in songwriting? Um, well, first of all, I think it's really important that we know um, who we are. So we know the, the way that we're wired, what our strengths are. Um, and, you know, as I was reading in the Word of God, I really found that identity comes in, in two parts. So one is knowing who you are in the Lord. And then the second part is knowing who you are in the body. And when we know what our strengths are and we, and we know um, even as a songwriter – what our strengths are, um, it gives us a sense of peace and confidence about who we are, um, as it pertains to life in general. Um, when we're comfortable in our own skin, we're not striving to be anything else. Um, we can accomplish so much more and we can be at rest. So those, those two reasons I think are why we need to know it. But, um, but yeah, part of that is that songwriter personality test I put together, um, where you learn, if you take the test, which is free, you can learn, um, what you're wired to do in the writing room. And I think knowing who you are and walking in and not expecting to have to be all the things, I think that's culturally something that is sort of expected of everybody to, to be good at everything. And honestly, like when we look at all the verses in Corinthians where the Lord talks about, you know, the hands, the feet, the eyes, not wanting to strive to be one of the greater parts or more desired parts and all that. If we can be comfortable in who God made us to be, he can accomplish great things in us and through us. And in the writing room, um, that looks like not feeling like you have to carry the piano and the lyric and the concept and the, you know, everything. Um, but maybe your, maybe your strength is lyrics and focusing on what you are good at and realizing if you partner up with others, um, you know, that's why we're not all gifted in everything. We need one another. And that's, that is biblical community and unity and body of Christ. That's what it looks like in the writing room. That means you be you, you be your strength and, and surround yourself with others that have different strengths. And when we do that, we can create things that are much greater than what we ever could have on our own. That's great. And it, it kind of leads me into my next question. And so um, when you when you think about collaboration and working with co-writers and, and, and other people to, to create this, um, we all know that creative people, they're oftentimes tend to be introverts. Um, they, they tend to, to like to work sometimes in isolation and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, are there, are there ways that, that maybe for an introvert or someone who's not used to working with others and collaborating, um, how, how can they find peace in trying to seek out collaborators? Yeah, I think, um, the best way to approach it is to make sure you're prepared And so, um, you know, in the book, I go through step by step how to prepare for a co-write, what kind of language to use, um, you know, how to encourage one another, not cut each other off or discourage one another. So I think, honestly, if you get a chance to read through those steps, it would help so much um, because my heart is really to help make a safe environment for the creative Um, you know, I have been in lots of co-writes where it didn't feel safe and where I felt, um, you know, sort of stifled creatively. And I think, um, as I've heard it once said, if, if anyone speaks a no in the writing room and immediately shuts down creativity. Um, and I think that's true, but I think sometimes people don't really know, um, those, those, um, guidelines or those, those pieces of advice 
for how to actually operate in the writing room. So learning, um, what is good and what is right. And, um, even connecting with other writers through what I'm doing is, it just kind of gives you a little bit of a reassurance that it'll be a safe place, um, or going through it together with your worship team. So we've got a, a free leaders guide for worship leaders that want to walk through the book with their worship teams. So, um, you know, that's another way to create a safe environment and make sure the foundation is set. And I think that'll just give everybody peace of mind walking in. That's good. That is good. Um, you know, you've been fortunate and and the Lord has really blessed you with opportunities to write songs that were performed by people all over the world. Um, but I'm, I'm sure you've got for however many songs you've had that reached a world platform, you've got thousands more that haven't. And there are people sitting at home listening or sitting in their car listening and thinking, you know, I've written these songs and nobody's hearing them. Um, how can we find purpose in, in the things we create, even if they don't reach a world platform? Yeah. Um, well, even last week I found a new Psalm that was given answers to that very question where it was talking about, um, everyone sing a new song to the Lord. I said, everyone, And then the purpose of why we're doing it in that Psalm said to make his name famous. Um, You know, sometimes, again, it goes back to that sacrificial thing. We're writing because we're giving to him and it's just for him alone and blessing his name and um, and just, you know, to honor him and thank him. And truly, that is a sacrifice of praise, just bringing it just for him. And um, so that's one way. The second way I would say is when we sit down and we're writing and uh, we bless the Lord and suddenly it also blesses our own hearts and he speaks to us through song. So not only can we speak to him through song, but sometimes he'll surprise us and he'll speak back. And I know I've had life changing songs just for my life um, where I've been moved to tears and I have not been able to stop singing something um, for a long time. And it made such a mark in my life. And that was just between me and the Lord. And that was it. Um, and is that making his name famous? Yeah, it is because it's impacting my life. And then I'm able to impact others, even if it's not through that song, it might be through spoken word, but as a result of that song. And then the third way, um, that we can have purpose in doing this is, um, when we share a song with another person, So I've written so many songs for weddings and adoptions and funerals and birthdays and, you know, things like that. Somebody's that's sick that needs healing. I've written songs for that. Um, Are those songs that the world will ever hear? No, probably not. Did it bless somebody's life and did it make God famous in their life? Did it remind them of God's goodness and, um, and honor that we have for him? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think those types of songs have more impact than we can ever see on this side of earth. And, um, and maybe even more than some of the big songs that go around the world. So that's the third way. The fourth way we can find purpose is in sharing in our local community. So, um, maybe that's, you're going to a nursing home and you're sharing a song and it blesses people that are there in the nursing home, or maybe you're at a hospital. I've done both of those things. Um, Maybe it's your church. Maybe your church is open to singing your songs or maybe there's a Bible study and you have a song that's appropriate for what you're talking about. Um, So that's another way in the local community. And then the fifth way we find purpose is um, that's the world scale. So that's the songs that give us something to sing when we're in stadiums. Um, Now, can every song be a number five? Absolutely not. (laughs) We, but we need all the other four categories um, in a great way. And I think if we were to add it up, the other four categories have a more of an impact than those really big songs do. So lots of ways. Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that one thing I loved about your book is is it provided very practical ideas and very practical things that um, kind of step by steps. And so uh, as we wrap up here, uh, what are three takeaways that we can start doing immediately to help us become better songwriters? I would say um, read the word of God. And then as 
sort of uh, an outgrowth of that psalming is one of the things I talk about in the book, which the Lord showed me about 10 years ago and really is singing the psalms out loud. And I've learned more about writing worship songs, doing that than anything else, um, than anything anyone's taught me, than anything I've read. I mean, really, that's been my training ground is singing the psalms out loud. And I go into tons more detail in the book, but that's a real practical thing to do. And then um, the third thing I would say is two-way journaling. If you haven't tried that before, it's basically, um, you know, I learned how to do it through a class. And again, I go into more detail in the book, but but basically it's writing out your thoughts, your um, prayers, maybe scriptures that you're meditating on. Um, and not stopping there, but actually listening back for the Lord to speak to you and writing what you hear him say. And is it going to be perfect every time? Probably not. We have to use scripture, um, you know, as a reference. And it's good to be doing that in community where you're bouncing it off of other believers. But um, nothing has impacted my life more than those moments with me and the Lord and him speaking to me. Um and those seem kind of like funny, you know, funny things as far as specifically reading the word and then the journaling. It doesn't seem like it necessarily relates to songwriting, but I'm telling you, it 100% does. Um, and when you're communing with the Lord in those ways, it is no different when you start putting it to melody. No different. And um, growing your strength um, in relationship with him and just in your ability to hear him. Um, translates directly into the writing room. Well, that's great. Um, just uh, one last thing before we go. Could you tell us a little bit about Brave Worship? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I prayed for a mentor for uh, the first 15 years I was in town, and I couldn't find one that was a female. Um, and I asked the Lord why, and he basically said at that year 15, he said, be what you need. And so I started gathering women in my living room. Um, and we began, you know, sort of this journey that turned into what's called brave worship. And so now it's a ministry for female worship leaders and songwriters. Um, and you can visit it at braveworship.com, but we have a podcast, we do writing events. Um, we're doing an event with Ray Hughes in June this summer. Um, we did a trip to Ireland this last year. We did a writing trip. Um, and then we do worship nights and things like that. A lot of what we do is online. And last year we began some coffees. So once a month we have coffees spread across the U.S. and one one in the U.K. Um, that basically they'll watch a devotion that I do for the month and then they get together and talk about it. And we're just beginning to grow songwriting communities um, through those coffees. And uh, it's been an amazing blessing to my life. And a lot of the reason why I saw a need, um, for this book. So it was really birthed out of what I saw, um, through those years of mentoring those women. But yeah, so women feel free to check that out, braveworship.com. And, uh, and it's, it's a beautiful, safe, loving, supportive community. And in all that I do, I, I really want people to feel loved and cheered on. Um, you know, I, I say a lot of times competition kills community and, and it does. So really wanting to focus and build community. There's room for everybody at the table. Oh, that's great. Um, Chrissy, as we get out of here, do you have any words of encouragement that you would like to share to fellow creatives out there? Yeah. Well, the one thing that comes to mind is, um, just remember that creativity doesn't come from or depend on you. I think a lot of times we put creative pressure on ourselves to have to come up with stuff. And, um, and again, really, if we're pressing into the creator and if we're hearing his heartbeat and if we're learning how he moves, learning those unforced rhythms of grace, um, then we can create out of the fullness and he will whisper what we need and we don't have to dig for it we don't have to strive for it um learning that unforced rhythm of grace is really a beautiful way to live as a creative
We want to thank Chrissy again for taking time to be on the show. Uh, if, if you have a chance, go grab her book and uh, just enjoy it. Like I said, it's super practical. And uh, for if you have any interest in writing music at all, um, it'd be a great, great book for you to read. Well, everyone, another show has come and gone. This is number 101. We're s- still making it happen. The wow. threat of threat of world, uh, still. you know, the world falling apart. We're still here. So, you know, at least we can hang our hat on that. Great. Sure. Wow. We're, nothing. Okay. We're doing. Moving on. We're doing our part to make the <laughs> world doing, the same as it is. That's right. Trying to keep a, yeah. a sense of normalcy. It's like The Office, where uh, Michael plays the uh, murder mis- mystery game. You know, in the threat of in the threat of bankruptcy, we're going to do everything we can to take your mind off of what's really happening. Yep. Just watched that one yesterday. Did you? Yeah. You, so you've been binging yeah. it. So you're. We've you're been watching about. Pretty steady clip, about twenty episodes a day. So, oh wow! <laughs> um, oh my gosh, that's basically the season. Yeah, but it's you know season six is kind of not that great. Yeah. Season seven, not that good. Yeah. You know, all of them aren't as good as Parks and Rec. So there's oh, my wow. hot take. True there's that. your hot take. There it is. That's um, the hot take. The whole the whole Jim and Pam stuff, even in the early seasons, it's like, you know what? It's stupid, Jim. Go find someone else. <laughs> Like oh. Pam's an idiot, oh. and so. Oh, but wow, you you went there. I, I don't think I'll take I, I'll take my comments off the agree. air. Yeah, uh, just at Sir Happiness, Kyle checks his uh, social media all the time. So yeah, there's a little bit him, of a backlog I've got to get through. <laughs> <laughs> so just to hit him up, let him know uh, what you think, um, because I mean I, I I don't agree. Parks and Rec is great, but uh, I think on the whole, The Office. Still, Michael Scott is just one of the greatest TV characters of all time. So, but when you go verbatim of a, a whole series of uh, seasons, you just don't even want to watch. The Office has more. Okay, you think so? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because once Michael leaves, it's like you could just end yeah, the show. I could just do yeah, without. so that's two seasons. So for me, I could do without everything but seasons four and five of Park, Parks and Rec. So I think one, two, seasons four and five. Yeah. You're missing the best part, season three. What's season three? Maybe I'm. Maybe it's three and four. The end of season two is whenever uh, Chris and Ben get there, and then that whole the whole thing in season three, and when Andy really comes comes yeah, along. No, I stand. It's four and five. It's once Leslie starts running for city yeah. council. That's where I'm. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Recall? Nope. You're, well, you're definitely wrong. <laughs> so. And when Andy and April get married, if you want to talk about a love story, Andy and April getting yeah, married, that's, that's way that's better than Jim and Pam story. getting married. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll stand with you on that one. Uh, their their relationship is much, much better than Jim they, and Pam. They didn't even think about it. He can't iterate enough how little they thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that concludes this week's edition of NBC shows that were better uh, when they were on the air. Um, so before we get out of uh, here, oh, we can we can talk about some more. I mean, Superstore, great Superstore show. is a great show. Um, yeah. Anything um, else? Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn Nine Nine is amazing. I've never seen an Love episode. Love Andy Samberg. You've never seen an episode. Okay, that is no. your job. So funny. No. Whatever. whatever. Is he not Captain Holt. Kyle? Yes, you have to do it. Well, well, that's a loaded yeah, question. Never mind. We're not going to dive into that. I know enough about the character um, to know why you're <laughs> why you're backpedaling. <laughs> uh, you've got to watch Brooklyn yeah, Nine-Nine. You know, it is you're like amazing. the fifth person that's assigned that to me, but I just, oh, that's why he's not doing it. Jason's not doing it because people no, have told him to, and he's too hipster. No, can I tell it's you? Be his own. Dang. It's got to be his own idea. Hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Can I tell you what the problem is? Back in whatever it was, 2008, there's this little movie that called Hot Rod that came out. I love Hot Rod. You can love Hot Rod. I had a person tell me it was the greatest movie in the history of cinema and that it was so funny and that Andy Samberg is just the best. I hate that movie with a passion. It's like the second worst movie I've ever watched in my life. And so as a result, I just can't get over it. Like, I know Sandberg's made a great career. I know he's doing his thing, but I just can't get past Hot Rod. Have you seen Storks? The cartoon? Yes. No. 
it's it's one of the funniest animated movies. Is he in that? Yes. As a voice? Yes. Okay. I still have to see. Well, you should watch that one as well. <laughs> so that's really what it is. Like it, it just has everything to do with my friend telling me that Hot Rod was so great. If he wouldn't have said it was so great, if he would have been like, well, it's got funny parts, I probably wouldn't have this feeling. That's how I feel about Talladega Nights. Yeah, see, I don't like that either. What was that? Well, uh, that was my computer telling me what time it was. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. Where we're recording my uh, this. my uh, my microphone disconnected because my computer went to sleep. So oh, great! I don't know I don't know where we lost it, but it might have to cut to bad audio for a minute. Well, we'll probably just cut all this out anyway. It's fine. <laughs> you cut all the good stuff out. Well, we'll see. Fine, we'll see when your mic cut out. That's probably where we'll where we'll top it. Well, uh, before we get out of here, I do want to make sure and remind everyone that uh, on March 30th, we are going to have a virtual gathering. Woo! That's right. Uh, we were, we're planning to have our Oklahoma City gathering on the 30th and 31st was going to be at Tulsa. However, as Kyler yawns right in the microphone. I did it however, in my hands. However, because of all this that's happening, we're going to move our gathering online. And so we hope you'll join us. And it, it's not going to be as long as a, a normal gathering would be and uh but it's gonna be just a fun time to uh just uh try to find some words of encouragement during this weird season that we're currently in uh yeah should be exciting should be a lot of fun so tell your friends and uh tune in we'll be on facebook at 7 p.m march 30th it'll also be on our website so uh check it out we hope to see you there well before we go do you guys have any final Final thoughts? Any final ideas for people for things to do if they're stuck at home? I really encourage uh, go, you. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> you sounded so disdainful right there. Go ahead. <laughs> That's how you have to do it. Whenever people are interrupting you, just be like Jesus and. Impatiently say, "Go ahead, go ahead." I've been go ahead. watching this show called The Chosen. Um, it's about oh. like uh, I guess it's some type of Bible series, and they have an app. But the way they do it is, you don't have to pay a subscription. You can pay, like, pay it forward, and you pay to have. Oh to help yeah, out I know what you're talking about. Okay, stream because apparently every time you stream something, it costs the company money. Um, so it's really cool, and it's like it's well, it's well, it's well produced. The actors are okay, like the screenplays, like, eh. but like it's cool. It's a show, like so. It's like it's like a episodes? series, yeah. Okay, yeah. But you have to chosen. download an app to watch it. That's why I will not watch it. But like, I don't watch it's stuff a on worth my phone. it, and it's pretty cool how they and they they it's, do give it's a worth it. Kyle, what did you have did to you say? say it's a worth it? Like what Jar Jar Binks? What were you going to say? You said it's a worth it. Oh, wow. I think it's our first Jar Jar reference. 100 episodes I in. I would wish Corona well, on you, but I'm not going to stoop that low. Well, Kyle, what were you going to say? I wouldn't stoop that low. I don't even remember now after <laughs> that whole long thing. It seems like 20 minutes ago whenever I was about to say something. Man, you're really... <laughs> I, I wish you would be out of quarantine. You're in a better mood when you're out of quarantine. It's getting, it's getting foggy out here, and I think it, <laughs> it's more than just fog. I think it's like what? dark spirits think, coming over ooh, me. You've got like the happening going no, on, or something Jesus. like that. Yeah. Well, we better get you out of here so we, <laughs> so you can find protection. <laughs> Are there hedges around your house? No. There's the problem. You should pray. You need a hedge yeah, of protection. A hedge of protection. Eh, I don't do that. You don't pray? I don't do hedges of protection. <laughs> I don't think... Uh, I mean, this might be a hot take, but I don't... I think... <laughs> Say <laughs> Never it. Never mind. Say it. Go for it. Go for it. Nobody's listening do you ever anyway. Think, do you ever think, like... Maybe not God, but maybe like a, his secretary or something who has to jot down some of the prayers. Probably Gabriel. Just just kind of rolls their eyes when someone's like we pray a hedge of protection <laughs> what do you think why that specific phrase what what is it about that phrase i just i don't know it's just 
I don't know. You just, what does that even mean? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, you definitely can't say it without picturing like bushes growing up <laughs> around you. <laughs> yeah. We pray for a hedge of protection or yeah. traveling mercies. Well, I'm just kind of like, for me, it's the, uh, for me, it's the me. God is in this place. Like it's the, of course that. he is. Like if God is who we think he is, then of course he's in this place. You know, yeah. like that's the one that bothers me. I hate it when I'm churches just, say, God, we invite you into this place. Cause it's like, okay, your church slash temple slash sanctuary. Like this is literally your God's dwelling place or something. Well, God's dwelling place is our hearts. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, Uh-oh. I'm just, well, I know that I know that was very like old Testament. So, but like, so according to Kyler, since churches are all closed right now, God has nowhere to live. Yeah. He's roaming. It's no, too it's, early it's, for theology. It's the idea. He's uh, uh, he's roaming through the night to find his place in this world. I j- Whoa, Michael! What? How about that? He's looking for a reason. <laughs> wow! I hope he finds his place in this world. <laughs> oh man, we better get out of here because it's getting edgy. Yeah, we we need to get out of self quarantine. <laughs> yeah, and this this fog. I'm starting to be concerned. Does it normally get foggy? Like at, after 10 a.m. Uh, I don't know. No, it usually. Uh, no, it doesn't. That is it odd. It was yesterday on the mountain. You should probably. Uh, you weren't on a mountain. You should probably find your mountain, way inside. <laughs> Can it be considered a mountain if you just drive up it? Yes. Yeah. That's all yeah. the mountains in Colorado. Mountains are not all the mountains. You can't drive to the top of all. Well, of them. most of them. Yeah, a mountain is declared well, by elevation, not by whether or not you can drive to the top. Mm, so, we'll see. I mean, yeah. Well, this this was all Oklahoma was all mountains in the past. That's true. It was actually underwater in the past. It was a, a big ocean. The, Ar- the Arbuckle, the Arbuckle Mountains, the oldest mountain range in the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, that depends on if you're a young Earth or oh, old okay. Earth uh, okay. believer. Okay. But. So. We don't have to get, we can get in that <laughs> well, in the next podcast. Yeah, we'll hold off on that for the next, the next episode. But, uh, for Kyle Lee and Kyler Clapp, I'm Jason Evans, and, and we hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Crane Initiative Podcast. And uh, we'll be back and uh, have some more exciting things to tell you in the future. Yes, Does that very mean we exciting. Were boring today? I don't know what that means, but I hope you found enjoyment out of it wherever you are in the world while that bird is chirping <laughs> once again multiple birds multiple birds yeah. circling kyle's house they're, while the fog engulfs him the fog they're, of yeah they're spirits. riding in on the fog <laughs> <laughs> all right well for kyle and kyler i'm jason and we will see you later later